a calm, beautiful podcast. We speak about the light, hold back truths to spare your feelings. We never rock the boat. No unfiltered opinions here. Ah, no. You're listening to Unfiltered. Unfiltered. If it's politics, tech, entertainment, global headlines, and everything in between, we shoot you straight through the eyes with the truth. Streaming to six continents from Colorado Springs, Colorado, and West Hollywood, California. Sponsored by the Stutzman Group. We're real. We're raw. We are unfiltered. This is Bobby and Luke. Welcome to Unfiltered with Bobby and Luke. It is February 6th. Luke, we are now 24 hours away from Super Bowl 55. Yep, and that would mean about 27 hours away from Pat Mahomes once again hoisting that beautiful trophy while probably picking up his second Super Bowl MVP along the way. I do not have the same mindset here. I have the Bucks <laughs> winning 35-27. And as I just said before we started recording, if, if Tom Brady cannot pull this out, I will be eating shit on Facebook for at least a week. You've definitely uh, firmly planted your flag in the ground and you have not budged. So I applaud your confidence. Uh, I do indeed. But uh, as our good buddy, the gold standard, TK Goldsmith mentioned on his podcast, I need a mulligan. Check out the this week's episode. I just don't think... The defense can stop them, bud. I don't think that that high-potency offense, just don't think they can be stopped. Don't think Brady can keep up. You know, Pat Mahomes, what he's really great at is extending plays, right? Correct. That's that's what scares me about the game, is I think the defense is going to get into that backfield for the Bucs. But with his legs and his ability to extend plays, you know, his wide receivers are well aware of that talent, and mm-hmm. they, do, they do not stop. If yeah. their route is, is, is blown, they come back to the ball. So we're going to see how well the, the secondary for the Bucks handle that because it could be a bloodbath. I'm not, I'm not saying it couldn't, but I still feel 35-27, baby. Yeah, I say uh, Chiefs. If if they win, it, it, you know, if I'm if I'm Andy Reid, here's my instructions: we win the uh, we win the coin flip, we take the ball, we score, and we do not look back, and we just score and score and score because that's been the Chiefs' problem this year: is they almost get bored at times. They're like, you know, a cat playing with a half dead mouse, and they're like, eh, and they get bored, and they let teams. And they let teams get back into the games. And then that's, you know, how they end up having these close games. But when they want to, it's as if they just flick a switch and they score at at will. And I think that's the direction for tomorrow. Don't stop. Pour it on. Let the defense handle uh, Tom and crew, uh, you know, when they need to. But otherwise, just score, 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 and score some more. So 
Hmm. Think hmm. it think it could be think it could get ugly quick, but but we'll see. And Tom's yeah, also we'll known for some pretty miraculous comebacks. So, right. you know, like I like I said, that is my biggest fear. My boys in red get bored sometimes, and you just can't be a fan and not honestly say that. So right. we'll, well see. I'm also looking forward to all the commercials, right? So we you know, there was an announcement, a big announcement a few weeks ago that a lot of the typical national brands like Anheuser-Busch and those guys are actually donating that money to COVID relief. Correct. Uh, from from what I've seen so far, snippets on uh, YouTube, uh, there's still going to be plenty of, of funny and, and awesome commercials. And then we've got the weekend at halftime. Yeah, I got and a question we're... about that though. Yeah, you know, the 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 weekend has a lot of great music, but a lot of his music is kind of like more like moody blues kind of music, you know. Like sure yeah. he's got this new you know, his newest joint, you know, blinding lights, and he's got, you know, if you you know, I can't feel my face, and you know, he's got a few poppy hits, but I am really curious to see what his uh entire set list looks like and uh if we'll get to see him uh wearing any of his uh his uh, prosthetics uh, i guess you know uh you know looking like nutty professor up there well it sounds like we're in for the longest halftime show ever so that's what we're <laughs> really this morning so okay gonna be interesting gonna be interesting with you know there's not a lot of hits that he's got or even in his catalog i mean i love his, i love his music but you know like you said it's slower music so we'll see what uh what he brings to the table yeah, and have we had any leaks or any idea of who his special guests or anything will be? No, I have not heard. I have not heard. Interesting. Interesting. All right. Maybe my let's 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 put a money uh, put a little bet on uh, I'm gonna go do a lipa. That's a good bet. I think that would be good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean Cardi B just coming out with her hit yesterday. It's hot. Oh uh, that'd have been cool to to see her at halftime as well, I think. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think I think we're cruising towards, well, I don't know. I don't know. Is Cardi B too much of a non-family entertainment type performer? I don't I don't know. I mean, I'm just thinking of how edited down WAP would have to be to be Super Bowl halftime show appropriate. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. But but then again, after that booby show that Shakira and JLo put on may right. who knows may maybe we we we've 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 gone we've traveled a long ways from uh, Janet Jackson having a wardrobe malfunction I'll just say that right. much right <laughs> absolutely now Luke one of the favorite parts of our pod that we do is we bring on guests and we've had you mentioned TK the gold standard we've had other guests we've had some phenomenal ladies doing some phenomenal things during COVID for nurses. And today is no different. We've got a phenomenal guest, which I am excited to dig into. But why don't you give our listeners a little overview of who our guest is? I am super thrilled to have on the pod today, Brandon Posovac, author of Step on the Cracks, Reinventing Happiness, Positivity, and Optimism. I was uh, fortunate to meet this young man. Uh, he was working at uh, the law firm uh, that uh, our consulting firm is associated with, and that's how I got to know him, talking all things politics and, of course, football. And now 
this this young man uh, has gone out and wrote a book that is flipping phenomenal. So welcome to the pod, Brandon. How are you doing today, buddy? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. I'm, I'm excited. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that you know, I, I immediately noticed about you is just you, you have this super positive energy about you constantly. And, uh, you know, it, it does not, I, I gotta say, it did, does not surprise me that you wrote a book about positivity, positivity and optimism, because you seem to exude that in all that you do. Uh, but this book is, uh, it's, it's phenomenal, great advice not just for uh, those in your generation, the, the Gen Zers, and we'll, we'll get into the generational differences and whatnot, but for everyone. Uh, just a fantastic book, and we are excited to uh, dig into it with you today. Absolutely. Well, I'm uh, absolutely excited to, to talk about it and to talk about um, a lot of other stuff. So I, I appreciate everything you said um, for the listeners as well. I Thoroughly enjoyed working with Luke at Weinberg Gonzer, and we definitely built a special bond. And uh, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really grateful to be on here this morning. Excellent. Well, Bobby, you got something fun to kick us off this morning? I do. So as you may or may not know, Luke, every Friday when I wake up, I have a notification on my phone from Spotify with the latest hits that hit their platform usually midnights, uh, uh, Friday mornings. And I scour the new list for, for new shit and easily the hottest song that hit yesterday was from Cardi B. Oh yes. It's her new song up and we'll get into everything on the other side. Let's do it. Time and I heard that that was ugly. Came from a bitch who nigga wanna fuck I on me. I said my face bomb, ass tight, racks stuck up shack height, jury on me flashlight. I've been listening last night, hit him with that good good, make a nigga act right. Broke boys don't deserve no pussy. I know that's right. Big bag pussy, not the Bentley band. Take a man Balenciaga, brought it back and all these bitches fuck. It's big bags busting not the Bentley band. Take a man. Love that song, Luke. And to be honest with you, I did, had not seen the video until you posted it on Facebook yesterday. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I, I just had heard a clip of the song. I hadn't heard the whole thing yet. Uh, and then I saw your post on Facebook, and I was like, "Oh man, let me, let me just, let me get in here and hear the whole thing." And the video popped right up, and the video does not disappoint uh cardi b <laughs> cardi b puts on a show and uh i mean she's 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 a she's a showgirl at heart and that continues to show it's it's <laughs> it's uh it's a great video it's a great video uh watch out for the uh the singing uh barbie doll head wig i will leave it at that <laughs> all right brandon let's hop yeah, go ahead Let's let's hop right into it because you know I got to tell you like I said you know my my initial impression of you was what a what a positive 
you know, just genuinely, you know, great guy to be around. You just exude this energy. <clears throat> and, you know, you say in your note right off the jump in the, in the book, you know, be the, be the reason someone smiles today, be the reason someone feels loved and believes in the goodness in people. Uh, but then you also have a very real outlook on your generation, which Generation Z, uh, you know, study after study has shown Generation Z to have the, the pretty much the worst mental health, um, you know, of, of any generation collectively. So why do you, why do you think, Brandon, that Gen Z suffers with with happiness the way that uh, these studies show us that they do? And how do you keep yourself so positive and motivated? Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's a great, great question. I think there are a lot of reasons behind why Gen Z grew up the way we did and a lot of things in our upbringing that are kind of factored in to that question. Um, so I think just to start out, you know, e each generation grows up with something different and each generation has a kind of path that's unique in that, you know, Gen Z compared to millennials, even like Gen Z had grown up with the Xbox and the the iTouch and stuff, whereas the millennials were a little bit more, you know, Atari and the Game Boy, even that slight difference in having MySpace versus Facebook. I remember when I was in middle school, getting a Facebook in, in middle school was the coolest thing ever. And you played Farmville and Club Penguin. And there were all these little kind of nuances for, for feeling like you fit in. And um, in talking with so many people from my generation, I think the crux of that question comes down to how much we were told when we were young, how important everything we did was in terms of any, everybody's watching, you know, to, to get into a good college in middle school. If you, if you're following the rules, if you're doing the right things, if you're getting good grades, that's not enough. You have to have something else that sets you apart. There's, there always has to be that differentiating factor. And so I knew kids who early on, you know, were learning to play the violin so they could get into a good college or were trying to differentiate themselves in whatever way based on their unique skill set. And it can be toxic in some ways in that you feel like you're trying so hard to be so unique, to be separate from the pack. And there's, especially growing up in Los Angeles and Southern California, there's so many unbelievably talented people in so many different areas. And when you're seeing, when you're being told you need to be unique, when you're being told you need to get into a good college, when you're being told that anything that can be caught on camera and can be caught on social media and you have to watch who you're around, that if someone's taking a video or that you always have to be on best behavior at all times, for you know, someone growing up, that's a lot of pressure. And, and to have you know, that in the back of your head when you're going through social situations or when you're going through athletic situations, academic situations, and feeling like every single thing you did mattered moving towards something, it creates a lot of probably undue pressure. And I think just in talking with so many people from my book, a lot of the common threads seem to come from social media and that when they were looking on Facebook or on Snapchat or on something. On Snapchat, they always felt like they had to look their best. No matter mm -hmm. who it was to, they always felt like they had to give the best representation of them. And on Instagram, it was the exact same thing that they, you know, a lot of people that I had used in the book frequently use the term highlight reel to describe Instagram and that it yeah. was yeah. a, a 
portraying of the best moments in someone's life that someone was always going to post or put on their story or share or you know anything that was the 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 great thing that happened that week or mold something bad or mediocre into something great so people thought their life was great um, whether it was intentional or not because at least for my generation whenever you heard of a new person almost always the follow-up question was well let me see their instagram right. so right. that right. first impression of someone new is their instagram page and and not from a purely looks perspective but by someone's social media you can get a sense of who they are mm -hmm. and i will admit that i certainly do it all the time because if you haven't met someone chances are that someone in my generation they will have an instagram and by looking at that instagram you could say oh it looks like they're into this it looks like they've traveled it looks like they're passionate about this and you get to know about that person and so it's it, it's interesting to me I, I didn't really realize until college, to be perfectly honest, how prevalent and important people took it. And that if you didn't have an extensive social media or really didn't have a social media at all, it was considered kind of strange. It was it, the following question was, why, why don't you, why didn't you care? Like it wasn't, it, it wasn't like a respect your views kind of thing. It was more like, I, I'm genuinely confused why you don't have this thing that everybody else has. And I, I, did, I had social media all the way through, so I wasn't you know, really referring to myself. But I think in terms of that and always kind of feeling like you're in the spotlight and always feeling like everything you did mattered, and especially if you grow up playing a sport, everything you're always told is that you know, the college coaches are always watching, even off the field. Everything you do, you're a representation of yourself. Anything, that, you know, anything can be caught on video, and colleges look at everything. Jobs look at everything. Your social media is a representation of you. So people want to make it the best they possibly can and having the most likes they possibly can and having the most followers they possibly can. And they want to show they have friends, they're popular and everything in between. And it's a tough feeling when social media can seem addictive in that you want to try so hard to put the best you know, representation of yourself out there. And in return, you may not be getting that interaction or engagement that you want, but you feel like you need to, you feel like you need that, support and it is kind of a vicious circle and a, a lot of the people i talk to even my close friends i had no idea that their relationship with social media kind of like mine was was really difficult because it's it's tough when you're you post and you're checking back every three seconds to to see if so and so commented or you look at one of your friends and why did they get more likes than I did or why did they have more followers or they, there's so many insecurities and thoughts that pop into your head when you're a high school kid looking at that. Yeah. And I, I was going to, you know, <clears throat> I was going to definitely ask about social media and now I'm just, it's, it's, it, there's a, there's a, there's a whole nother level of it as in the fact that you have been in this world from the jump. When, when would you say you got your first social media account? Yeah, um, my, my first Facebook account I got when I was about 13, 12 or 13, yeah. I was seventh and eighth grade. And like I said, that was the height of, uh, I was never, which was kind of unique for my generation, my friend group. I was never really a big video game player. So the, the big video game when I was in middle school was Call of Duty. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I was never, I, I always liked playing outside. So I, I was never really super big on the video games. And I just would hear all the kids at school talk about Farmville, uh, which was a game through Facebook and Club Penguin and all these different things. But Facebook, the big thing was, you know, you could set your family members and um, you, you, you could 
put your friend as your cousin or your brother or your sister or you, you know, change your relationship status, you know, as a middle school relationship, that was the, the biggest thing. And so, um, there was, there were all these little things cause kids would talk after class. Oh, are you going to be on Farmville or you going to log on or this or that? And so it, it seemed like it was just such a huge part of life that it, it was just there. It, it was, it was a constant pretty much from then on. And I got my first Snapchat, uh, a few years later, my freshman years, uh, freshman or sophomore year of high school is probably about 14 or 15. And then, my first Instagram around the same time, uh, pro probably around 14 or 15 as well. And I really, like I said, I really didn't know probably until freshman year of college, how serious people really took it. Cause I never, I never really had paid attention, but once I started getting the question a lot, Hey, how many Instagram followers in, especially in Los Angeles, Hey, how many Instagram followers do you have? You know, Hey, are you using this filter or something like that? I really genuinely knew how serious people took it and that they had apps on their phone for the best time to post and the airbrushing and the editing pictures. It, it was such an, an, more of an industry and so much more popular than I had anticipated. And I really felt like I needed to catch up just to feel included. So how, you know, you talk about energy vampires in the book. So how can, you know, Folks, you know, it, it. You know, you talk a lot about your generation in, you know, Gen Z, and that's definitely the case <laughs> with so many having grown up around it their entire lives. But you know, there's so many people uh, that are have a have a really tough relationship with social media. You know, and th this includes people, even old folks like us. <laughs> but uh, how how do you you know go about proposing to people how to break from that cycle? and and improve their relationship with social media definitely it's there's well, i'll start by saying there's absolutely no one right answer yeah. and everyone has a different relationship and one in, in in my entire book one big thing for me was not being like a, a self-help guru or a motivational speaker and just saying hey these are the 10 steps to living a great life right. or right. this right. is exactly what you should be doing to fix things and if you follow these steps you're golden it, I just I wanted to be able to share my perspective and I wanted to be able to share the perspective of those that I interviewed both inside and outside of Gen Z mm -hmm. and provide data that that when I had seen it shocked me and that I had a feeling would probably shock most people because it's not commonly talked about like I if you talk to nine out of ten people on the street I'd, I'd be pretty surprised if they said they thought Gen Z had the worst mental health um, and so it, for, for, for the process of writing the book, all I wanted to do was bring a new perspective in so mm -hmm. that people had something else that they could think about. And if it helped them think about something in a different way, by me kind of giving their offering that to them, that would be amazing. Um, as far as, you know, a, the best way to kind of handle social media, I think I, and a lot of my friends and people that I've talked to, there's, there's kind of that struggle period. Cause when, when you're growing up, it's, it, it really is tough not to feel that it's important when you hear people talk about it so often. And when you're in a social situation and you see people kind of as that technological crutch, you know, use, you, know, you pull up Instagram during a lull in a conversation and just scroll. They're not actively looking for something but there's the lull in the conversation. So they might as well check their Twitter feed or they might as well check their Instagram feed or something like that. And one thing that I talked about in the book and one thing that I kind of came to realize in relation to the energy vampires, like you mentioned, 
which is a reference to John Gordon's novel, The Energy Bus, which is one of my favorite books of all time. And um, I thoroughly enjoyed his book because he really found a way through his characters and through a fictional story to be able to convey a message that was so important to me and my life at that time that I really felt. And it really did kind of have me reassess some of my relationships and just overall the way I thought about what a friendship was or who I wanted on my bus. And so just to give it a little background, John Gordon kind of talks about how metaphorically, of course, you're, you're the driver. We're all the drivers of our own energy bus. Mm -hmm. And we are going full steam ahead towards our goals and our ambitions and whatever that may be professionally, socially, athletically, academically. And we bring people onto our bus who we think is going to make the bus go faster. And those people are our supporters, our family members, our friends, the people that we want in our life that we really, really care about. And they absolutely, they cheer you on as you're driving the bus and you're continuing to go. The energy vampires are on the other hand are people that kind of pose as that supporter, but either only really support you when you succeed and aren't really mm -hmm. there for any of the other times and just want to say they have a friend who succeeded or they really are posing as friends, but they're not, they're more taking than they are giving. And it's not a two way street. They're seeing what they can get out of you rather than what you you know, what you guys can share in common together. Um, and it, it, it kind of took me a while to see some of the signs of, you know, what an energy vampire might be. And it's really interesting that the, um, yeah, I apologize for those dings. Um, really interesting that, you know, it, it, it can take a while to, and that's absolutely not unique to Gen Z, but through social media, it kind of adds a nuance to kind of, you know, assess who might be on your bus. And it's a really hard thing to do to think of certain moments and think of the past and say, hey, it looks like this this friend or this person might not really care about me based on kind of the way they've acted. I've never really realized that. Or they may, they may just want to see what they can get from me. Or I kind of notice they're really only there when I do something great. But if I need help, I don't really feel like I can go to them. And so the energy vampires make the bus slower. And uh -huh. they you know, kind of poke holes in the tires a little bit. And as you're going forward, you know, it, it, they're, they're not exactly people that you want in your life. Or sometimes the energy vampires can very easily turn into supporters and they might not know that they're not supporting you in the way that's most conducive to your, your, your bus moving forward. And so I think the answer is just very open and honest communication because social media, like I said, is a highlight reel. It's not an accurate representation in any form of how your life's going because you want to post the best things that are going on. You're never going to want to post a picture of a breakup, of a failed test, of getting cut from a team, getting rejected from a job, getting fired from a job. You're not going to post about that. And, and it, it, it's, it, you're going to post about the job you did get, the relationship mm -hmm. you are in, that test you did pass. And so it's, it's really hard to accurately assess someone's life just based on their social media because more often than not, it's not what's going on underneath the surface. And I have really made an effort and I'm still 100% working on it to think of social media as my connection to all my friends, especially during quarantine that I can't see in person. And it's my connection to my friends that when I was at college in Pennsylvania, 
my connection to my friend who goes to college in Alabama or who goes to college in Michigan or goes to college in Washington. That was my connection to them was, Hey, this is a really funny video I came across, or this interview is great. I'm going to, I'm going to share it. I'm going to DM them and, and send it to them so they can see it. Or I'm going to, you know, tag them in this funny post that I saw or something, or I'm going to post something because I genuinely want to post it. Not because I think anyone's going to like it. And that I think is huge posting because you enjoy that content, not because you're looking for validation from other people. And that's something that's so hard to accept and that I absolutely still every day struggle with. Because even when I post something and I posted something like a few days ago, I, there, there absolutely is a part of me that I really want people to engage with that. And I, I would love for people to, to like and to comment because that, that makes me think that, wow, something that I think is cool or that I enjoyed they like it too. That's an amazing feeling when something happens like that. And it can be a really low feeling when you don't receive that, if that's what you're looking for. And so in answer to your question, very long winded, I really tried to, to think about it in terms of social media being used as just another way to stay in touch with my friends after college and after people are going their separate ways and doing separate things. It's a way to still be close. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. But so Bob, <clears throat> I was about to just throw one over to you, Bobby. And, you know, I, I do not have kids at this point in my life, but Bobby, like many of our friends that we went to high school with, uh, do have kids that are navigating this world right now and are the 13, 14, 15, 16 year olds navigating this world through high school right now. And so I'm just curious what, you know, if you were talking to your, you know, 13, 14 year old self, Brandon, what, what advice would you have for that young, young person? I love that question. Um, and I actually had a really cool project that my eighth grade English teacher, so I'd be about 13 when I did this, she had us write a letter to our future selves and, okay. um, we were only allowed to open the letter when we graduated college. And so that's, you know, approximately eight years of difference. And, um, I, when I graduated college, I read that letter and it was like, it was amazing. Like I, I thought it was hilarious just reading, you know, the way I kind of perceive the world and, you know, my, my goals for myself when I graduated college at this point where, you know, how I thought my life would go and how I thought it would be. And for the most part, if you plan your life out and it goes exactly to plan, that's amazing. Like that is, you are so unbelievably lucky. You have no idea. And I'm always envious of those people because I talk to people and they're like, I knew exactly what I wanted to do from the age of five. Or, you know, I knew who I wanted to marry when I was 16 or something. Like some people just figure it out really, really early and they just stick with that and it works. Um, I absolutely wasn't like that. And I, you know, I was kind of in that letter, I was kind of all over the place as far as what I, I guess, what I expected of myself or what I, what I thought my life would look like at that point. Um, and I think one thing that really is, it, it was, it was hard for, it, it took a really long time for me to get this. And that at age 13 and 14, you're getting hit from so many different angles with so many different things. And there's so many different extracurricular activities and these school relationships. And uh, I felt like everything was so important that every, every relationship I had was important that every school function that like everything around me was just so important. It was in a time in my life where I felt like I needed to be 
Uh, well, as always, you should try to be the best version of yourself. But I, I just felt like he was, you know, I, I needed to put out the best representation of me because that was the start, almost like a, a real life version of a LinkedIn. Like it, it was, you know, people were really starting to pay attention at how I carried myself and how, you know, when I talked to someone else's parents, did I have good manners? And when I was on the sports field, was I, you know, good a good sport? Was I respectful? And all these little things that when you're a kid, you, you don't notice, you just kind of just go, go, go. And it's just driving. When I started kind of noticing those things, just based on me, I kind of put pressure on myself. Cause I was like, you know, well, I, I always, you know, I want to have good manners. And sometimes being a good sport when you're 13 is hard. Like it, it's not, you're so passionate about what you're doing or that game. And it's sometimes hard to like, you know, when you have a, a disagreement or a fight with a friend to kind of work it out when you're that young or to stay locked in in school when it's March Madness and all you want to do is watch basketball. And like, I, I still remember when I was like a kid, I would like say I needed to go to the bathroom and like go and like watch like five minutes of a basketball game, like on my phone and then like come back. My friend's like, what was the score? And I was like, 59, 56, five minutes left. And like, <laughs> I, I, I would say that the, the closest thing that I'd be able to say for advice is that you shouldn't take yourself too seriously. And I definitely want to qualify that because I can understand how many different ways that can be taken. But always find something, you know, throughout your day, throughout your, you know, your time in school. Because, you know, school days are hard when you're that young. I was never a kid who, like, enjoyed, you know, genuinely enjoyed being in class. I genuinely enjoyed learning. But it's, it's hard when you're that age because you – at least I just had so much energy – I wanted to be outside. I, I love sports. I just wanted to be outside playing sports or I wanted to talk to my friends. And when you're in math class for an hour and a half, it's, it's hard for someone that young to really sustain that attention form. So don't take yourself too seriously. Like understand that, yeah, life is serious. Yeah, you have to you know, do all these little things that you're learning at that time in life that, yeah, you have to have good manners. Yeah, someone's always watching. Someone could always video something you're doing. Think twice about doing something that you think may not be a good representation of yourself. And there's there's multiple ways that this can be described. But I always, my dad always told me, is don't take yourself so seriously. That life's already hard enough. And when you're 13, you don't recognize that, but you'll quickly find that out as you get older that you don't need to make life harder than it already is. And you're you know, like I said, if you're not one of those people who just gets their plan, you're going to get those curveballs that you're not expecting. And if you're so under pressure and so stressed out and so focused on the external, it's going to be a, such a hard time as you grow up. And I know because I've gone through that and because I saw it in my friends and I, I still see it now. My younger brother, I see him and his friends. It's so much pressure and there's so many expectations. And you want to be under pressure. You want to have those expectations because you want to be, you know, you have that ambition. You want to, like I said, separate yourself. You feel like you need to separate yourself. So if you just tell yourself, don't take yourself so seriously, and it's okay to kind of be goofy and to not lose who you are as a person, you know, whatever that uniqueness is to you. Like I, I learned at a young age, like I love magic tricks. Like magic tricks to me are like the coolest thing. Cause you make someone believe in, in the impossible for like a second or five seconds or 10 seconds. And I would learn, you know, on YouTube videos when I couldn't sleep at night, I would learn new magic tricks and I would be messing around with the deck of cards at 2 AM or I would be you know playing with a coin or something like that. 
I thought that was the coolest thing. And like a bunch of my friends, you know, I was in middle school or like in high school, like, you know, would always roll their eyes when I talked about like a magic trick because it was something that it was just kind of quirky about me that I really enjoyed, that it was something funny. And like, that's not exactly something you say in, you know, to your college counselor or in a talk with a coach when you're getting recruited or a job interview. That's something you should never lose because for me, that's part of who I am. And I've met so many people who felt like they had to suppress certain aspects of them because it, it wasn't that impressive, you know, congressional medal of honor for doing X, Y, Z, you know, they, they didn't know that like, you know, they, they love to do like, you know, hip hop dance classes, but they didn't think that that was like impressive or like something that people wanted to hear. So they never talked about it, but you know, I just relish in who you are and stuff you enjoy to do. Cause that you, you have less time as you get older to do that stuff. Absolutely. And <laughs> the next time I see you, Brandon, I want a magic trick. Oh, now, I got a, yeah, a takeaway and a question for Brandon, you know, sitting yeah. here listening, just really listening to his generation and how they are extremely focused on social media. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, Luke and I are at the age, Brandon, we're in our early forties. You're in your early twenties. Right. So we've seen the evolution of social media from the infancy of of Facebook, what Facebook originally was created for and to do, comparing it to today and how everything is about monetization, getting Brandon to spend just 20 more seconds of FaceTime on a platform. Then the next time it's 22 seconds, then it's 30 seconds, right? But if you understand the technology behind it, how everything is manipulated, so if Brandon, if you go to my Facebook feed right now and like something of mine, right? Facebook's got algorithms to now start feeding you stuff that I like. And then you like something that Luke likes. And then it's feeding you shit that he likes. And you may not like it all, but that's the way the platform works. So, you know, listening to you earlier when you were saying everybody checking to see if you've got an Instagram account. Well, if you don't, basically you aren't shit but if you do and don't have enough followers or likes you ain't shit so don't you think that when it comes to image when it comes to happiness and positivity which is the the line in your book wouldn't you say that for the most part social media has has kind of displayed people with false positivity and false happiness yeah i think um absolutely i would i would probably say more it was it would be in the realm of false validation that you you feel like you need to seek the approval from others you feel like it you know it, it, it's such a tough corollary that you know as a young person i've heard this from so many people and i really if i hadn't opened up in the book because it's it, it was hard for me to talk about my emotions it's when it's social media is so important and it's hard to say, Hey, I'm struggling. Like, this is hard. I don't, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. If, if I don't get likes, I feel like people don't like me or I feel like people don't support me. But it, you know, I, I, anytime I do get likes, it's, it's, it's always, you know, more, it's always more if I, and, and it's, it, it becomes such a burden like on your mind all the time that you're thinking about this. And I've, I've done it for sure. And I've seen people who will post and you're talking with them as they posted or whatever. And in the course of the conversation, 
they'll just check and, and see with the notifications or they're looking for a specific person that they may be interested in or, or a friend or whatever, if they saw their story, if they saw this and if they saw that. And Instagram now came out with all these different, especially if you have a business account, they have all these different insights and these different data and absolutely right, right. to, to your point with an algorithm, 100% accurate. And I took a class, my, um, my sophomore year of college that was incredibly interesting. He was actually a politics class, but the professor was such a cool guy. And he, um, I remember the first day of class, this it was one of the coolest first day of classes I've ever had. He had us take out our phones, which is pretty unheard of in a class. And he said, okay, I'm going to put on my phone on the projector. I'm going to Google something and it's going to be like a hot button topic. I want you all to Google the same exact thing. Then I'm going to choose two of you at random and I'm going to bring you up on the projector so everyone can see what your screen said based on what, what I Googled. Right. And he did it a few different times with a few different words. But one of the words that he Googled was all it was, was just immigration. And he chose two random students. Um, and, and just surely to have it out there, both of the same kind of ethnicity, both dressed similarly. It wasn't, he didn't chose them, you know, for any specific reason at all, was, at least to my knowledge, it was completely random. And he brought them up and all three of them had different searches come up for Absolutely. search of immigration. And for me at 16, that, or sorry, at 18, that was the first time that I recognized that. And then I, Bobby, to your point, really, as I got older and, you know, to 18, 19, 20, started seeing that in social media that, wow, that is really strange that I was talking to my mom on the phone and she was telling me about these new shoes that she bought. And now that shoe company is giving me an ad on Instagram. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. And yeah. so, I, yeah, I definitely understand exactly what you're saying. Yeah, Brandon, uh, before before the election, I created a Facebook test account, right? Just created a Facebook test account, bullshit email. And I simply liked Fox News. That was the only thing I liked. And within 20, it was about 23 minutes, I refreshed my screen. And all of a sudden, I had all this conspiracy theory groups and comments and posts. I mean, that's how quickly the the algorithms work right and taking it a step further when when you think of artificial intelligence right it's it's artificial intelligence is algorithms that's what it is and there's some you know machine learning in there as well but it's it's basically algorithms and we could basically i've got i've got technology i've, I've got access to technology where i could basically scan your facebook your instagram all your social sites within about i would say three seconds and we could start posting as brandon and no one would know the difference with a three second scan of all your social media that's how potent and powerful the AI that is actually built into these social networks are with getting the information. Brandon, I know exactly who Brandon is. I know what he does. I know how often he does it. And with cookies on browsers, you know, you talk about just mentioning shoes to your mom and then you log into Facebook and you know, it's 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 all this algorithmic stuff behind it. And to Luke's point at the very beginning of this, mental health, right? As as cutting edge and kick ass as technology is, using it in this manner 
has has really put i think um false false hope false positivity false optimism for the the 2.3 billion people that use facebook on a daily basis right your grandma may use facebook to post a picture of a family but before she gets to that post there's already shit in her face that facebook wants you to see you know what's the reaction going to be it's all about reactionary does she like this if she doesn't like that and just keeps scrolling we're going to throw something else in there until she engages right it's all about facetime engagement and 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 uh monetizing the time that everybody not just you not just generation z or lucrae it's everybody it's about monetizing the facetime day in and day out and you know unfortunately had you know the algorithms not been in you know put in place or you know i think people's mental health you know facebook wouldn't be about getting a hundred likes or saying something that really means a lot to to brandon and then only getting three people to like it right when when people do that right it automatically is is a negative feeling i log into facebook i said something that i was very heartfelt and only two people liked it and then i said fuck you to somebody and there was 200 people that liked it right it's you know very very emotional positive and or negative but a lot of the positive nowadays is about those likes it's about the retweets it's about the engagement with with you know the comments and it has nothing to do with your statement anymore or the picture you posted, right? Yeah, I agree. I agree 100%. I think that was very, very well said. And it's it, 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 was, it was very sad to me that, you know, around later, and obviously correlated with the election, um, but you know, the, the politicization and just the political polarization, which in turns the social polarization with right. social media right. and with Facebook and I, you know, I, for, you know, one of my professors, it was the first time I had heard it that one of my professors said of it, he was like, oh, well, Facebook is an echo chamber because for, you know, for most people and it's based on the algorithms and what they see, they are talking with people who share the same, you know, whether it's politics or else elsewhere, same belief system that they do. Like I, you can, you, I remember in, in Facebook, you can put in your favorite sports teams and now you're only going to see ads for those sports teams. So even though I may be a Los Angeles Dodgers fan for, for baseball, I, you know, as a kid would, on Facebook, you'd only be Los Angeles Dodgers news. And so I wouldn't hear about when the Yankees did something or something like that. So it's kind of just reaffirming what you enjoy. And so I, I had a lot of friends who, because of that, you know, it was kind of sad that, you know, I saw a lot of posts and this 100% is not unique to Gen Z. It's outside of Gen Z as well that, you know, if you believe this, or if you saw this video and don't agree, or if it, basically an ultimatum, I believe this. If you don't believe this, unfollow me, or I, you know, we need to right, right. Yeah. or anybody who supports just, Trump, fuck you, fuck your family. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. And it was so sad to me that like, cause to me, that is only going to increase the polarization because it doesn't promote communication at all. It's going to make things worse by saying basically for who for who you voted for, for what you believe in, for 
who you are as a person or for whatever reason it was for, you know, I don't just disagree with you. I don't even want to talk. I don't even want you in my life. I don't even want to talk to you. You may have been my friend, but because of this, definitely not. And right. just, I, it's so toxic. And yeah, you're absolutely right. The 2016 election, 2020 election, 100% made it worse because people associated their views or political or otherwise with absolutely who they are as a person and their values as a person that they felt when someone was attacking that, whichever side you're on, you know, it can get personal and that and the, friendships are ruined and relationships are ruined and social media just is, is absolutely gas on the fire for that. Luke, yeah, we got to have Brandon back on another pod, bro. Oh yeah. We're, we're, we're just scratching the surface. We're not even going to get into a 90% of the things I wanted to ask you about because I want to keep going down. I want to keep going down this aisle a little bit, Brandon. It's like, you know, you talk about so many good things. Like I love the chapter where you're mentioning feeding the good wolf and uh, you know, trying to overcome the negativity, but it just seems like to your point and to Bobby's point, we're so inundated with social media and with media in general right now, that is so overwhelmingly negative, especially in the light of COVID and the year that we've just been through. So how, you know, and again, I know you don't, you, you don't espouse to be the, the lifestyle guru or anything, but how do you feed the good wolf? How do you, you know, again, back to my original question of you're just always so optimistic. How do you keep yourself so, so motivated and optimistic in, in the face of so much negativity in the world? Uh, yeah, that's another really great question. Um, I think it really goes back to that quote you used at the beginning. You know, make someone smile today. Make someone believe like that. It, it, it comes down to you having every single person having the ability to make someone's day better. Mm -hmm. no, no matter what, you can always make someone's day better. And it, th that is so lost on so many people and they don't realize that they can do that. And I think, you know, it's hard because I 100% think I'm guilty of, you know, sometimes not showing my accurate emotion and just having that positivity be, you know, my external, you know, portrayal because I, I, I genuinely want to make other people happy. And so sometimes to that point, I don't think I show my negative emotion, you know, sad or angry or whatever when I'm feeling it just because I, I, I don't, I don't want to portray that to other people. And I'm, I'm 100% personally working on being more open about my, you know, when I'm, when something's wrong, or when I'm feeling that and for you know my own promotion of mental health and a few of my friends are doing the exact same thing that they're trying to work on being more comfortable showing that negative emotion and not having that you know I guess what you would call like a perfect persona all the time and so when I you know as a little kid like I you know knew that life was not going to be easy like there, there are hard things that come up in everybody's life, no matter who you are. And that's unique to, to you. And my experiences definitely shaped me from a young age. And I kind of realized that that was just for me, that was the best way to be. Because if you took the opposite route and you saw the bad in people and the bad in the world, and you listened to everything on the news about the state of affairs, or it seemed like when I was a little kid that like little, little kid, what I would see, you know, if I, if I watched the news or something, it was, it was all so sad. And that when I left the news or when I left some presentation, I always felt so melancholic that it was, it, it felt so much like 
I had just been burdened with something that I had heard or when in elementary school we would do, you know, trick or treat for UNICEF. And it's really hard for an eight year old in West Los Angeles to wrap their head around the fact that kids are starving in Africa or that there's, you know, a, a famine in Yemen or that there's, there's bad things that happen around the world. And for me, when I learned about all that, it was like an, a nonstop flow and onslaught of just sadness in the realization that there are such thing as someone who's homeless and you know, where, what happened in the course of their life that led them to this point, or there are such thing as drug overdoses. And there is such a thing as someone dying, whether your opinion or not, but too young and they left kids behind or mm-hmm. they, they com- you know, committed suicide in high school. And it, you know, it, it's a lot sometimes, at least for me, it was a lot as a kid to take, yeah. you know, having that realization all at once that bad things happen in the world, that love can die, that people murder, that mm-hmm. everything you saw in a Disney movie could not be further from reality. Right. And I think it's, it's difficult, you know, you see happy endings all the time in movies and then you question why something happened in your life. Or you question why you felt like someone died before they were ready or you never got to say goodbye or that, you know, parents split up and like they never show that in a Disney movie or in a movie when you're seeing as kids. So it's just a, a, a fresh experience that you're trying to handle, you know, as you go through puberty when you're 10, 11, 12 and you're trying to figure the world out and you don't really understand what you're feeling or what's going on and how to articulate that. And I still at 22 have trouble articulating when I feel that. And so I always tried to make it a goal that I could be there not only for my friends, but for anyone who needed it, that saying hi to a stranger on the street or when you're in the elevator with someone, you know, making the effort to talk to them or standing in line, instead of pulling out your phone, try to talk to the person behind you or the person in front of you. I've had so many amazing conversations with complete strangers that I never talked to or saw ever again. But that 30 seconds we were in the elevator, that 30 seconds in line or waiting at this place or at dinner talking to the server, something like that, it's amazing how much you miss out on if you don't try. And and it's such a crutch to have your phone because it's such – I feel it all the time when you're, you know, when you're at a restaurant and someone else is ordering at the table and you're trying to like – you know, pull you know, you pull up your Instagram, and then as soon as they call on you, then you put your Instagram away, and then you give your answer. Or when you get in the elevator with a stranger, it's so easy to pull out the Twitter feed and just the whole time be scrolling because you don't you don't know what to do, and human interaction's hard. Um, and it's I, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I will I will say this, and we like to we like to end on a high note, and I, I can't imagine a better memory of Brandon uh, that is a high note and is the personification of what you just talked about. But you might remember (laughs) uh, in a, in the before times when we actually went to offices, uh, I believe you and myself and Yafa and Aaron walked to a coffee shop to, I think it's some, uh, well, uh, the, the, the older folks got some affogados. I think that's far too unhealthy for you. But while uh, Yafa and Aaron and I are kind of standing over to the side, probably on our phones waiting for our order, do you remember what you did? You like just walked up to this table of girls and started having a conversation with them. And it was like the coolest thing. And they were smiling and you were smiling. And it was just, just your way. And I think that's so refreshing that uh, 
you know, you, you really do embody the, you know, be, be the, be the smile on somebody's face today. And you certainly do that, Brandon. And I'm, I'm happy to call you friend. All right, folks, the, the book is Step on the Cracks, Reinventing Happiness, Positivity, and Optimism by Brandon Hosvac. It is available on Facebook, or on Facebook. <laughs> it is available on Amazon uh, in both ebook and in paperback. And Brandon, thank you so very much for joining us today. Absolutely my pleasure and just super quick, because I never got to talk about the Super Bowl or who I think should be in the halftime show or Cardi B's new song, so I'm going to rapid fire through it. Do uh, it. Okay, so I certainly don't have a horse in the race between the two teams. What I think is going to happen is I, I'm really sorry, Bobby. I think the Bucks go up early, and I'm a huge Tom Brady fan. I respect the hell out of him. I think he's an amazing player. Um, I think the Bucks are going to go up early. I think the Chiefs are just going to do what they do, come back. It's going to be down to the wire. I'm not going to say who I think is going to win, but I think the game flow is going to go like that. Bucks up early. Chiefs come back by halftime pretty close, throughout the second half pretty close. Um, I actually 100% agree with Luke. I really think it's going to be Dua Lipa that's going to come out at halftime. <laughs> also, you're forgetting about some of the weekend's best songs, The Hills, Starboy, might not, at least for me, those are the, when I think of the weekend, like Starboy and The Hills are the first two songs that I think about. So I'm looking forward to uh, to seeing that. And then I, uh, yeah, I, Super Bowl Sunday is like Christmas for me. I love it. So I'll certainly be thinking about you guys when I watch the game tomorrow. Awesome, Brandon. Thanks so much. Can't wait to uh, get together with you back again when it's uh, safe to do so. And uh, you take care of yourself. And yes, to Bobby's point, we absolutely need to have you on again because there are about, like I said, 90% of the things I wanted to talk to you about today we didn't get to. So another visit soon. Okay, buddy? Sounds like a plan. Thank you so much to both of you for having me on. I really appreciated it. I had a blast and I will absolutely welcome being on again. Awesome. You've been listening to Unfiltered with Bobby and Luke. Politics, tech, entertainment, global headlines, real and raw. Real and raw. Finally, a podcast with real talk and no bullshit. We hope you enjoyed the show, but if we pissed you off, that's okay too. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at Bobby and Luke. On Instagram at Unfiltered with Bobby and Luke. And on LinkedIn at unfiltered-with-bobby-and-luke. How many dashes do we need there, fellas? My God. Anyway, make sure to like, rate, and review. And of course, leave a comment. And check out the website at bobbyandluke.com. This is Unfiltered, signing off.